I was at Sugarloaf independently for a number of years, and I had the pleasure to work for American Skiing Company and then became part of the Boyne family. It's been very different. They are a family number one. We work for people who understand skiing. We also work with people who have a long-term vision and make very certain that any moves we make related to infrastructure or related to real estate only builds upon the experience of the resort, knowing that's what keeps us sustainable long-term. Welcome to the storm. I'm your host, Stuart Winchester. The Storm Skiing Podcast explores the business, history, and culture of Northeast skiing. Subscribe to the Storm Skiing Newsletter for free at skiing.substack.com to get all Storm Skiing Podcasts and content as soon as they're live. You can download the Storm Skiing Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and Pocket Cast. Follow us on Twitter at Storm Ski Journal and on Facebook. Episode 13, Dana Bullen, President and General Manager of Sunday River. Here you go. Since day one, I've been asking you, who do you want to hear from on the storm? I've got a lot of good ideas, but the most requested mountain by far has been Sunday River. And I get why. The place is awesome. It's huge. It's well-designed and laid out. It has every kind of terrain you could ask for. And you know what? The skiers are cool. They really are. You go to some mountains, and the locals act like it's their secret mountain, and they don't really want you there. But I never really get that sense of Sunday River. The people are happy to be there, and they're happy to share their awesome mountain with you. And this is something I'm pretty tuned into because I'm pretty much a tourist everywhere I go. I ski all over the place. So other than Mountain Creek, anywhere I go, I get a sense from how people talk to you on the chairlift what that mountain is like. And Sunday River is special in that way, and it's special in a lot of other ways. But Sunday River skiers, I know that I cannot tell you anything about your mountain that you don't already know, but I know who can. Last week, the mountain followed Sister Mountain Loon and announced their 2030 plan. Even though it was a powder day and the run-up to a holiday weekend, Dana Bullen took an hour earlier this week to go through every detail of this plan with me, and we are going to share that with you now. Let's go. My guest today has been the president and general manager of Sunday River, Maine since 2006. Sunday River is one of the largest ski resorts in the Northeast, with 135 trails spread across eight interconnected peaks and serviced by 18 lifts. He also spent 15 years at Sister Resort Sugarloaf under the American Skiing Company. Dana Bullen is my guest. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Stuart. Thanks for allowing you to be part of this. So let's start by talking about Sunday River 2030. So much planned here, snowmaking upgrades, six new lifts, RFID gates, and of course a lot of facilities improvements. How will this 10-year plan change the way a skier experiences Sunday River? It's so encompassing, it almost changes every way that they'll experience skiing. Sunday River has always been known for our snow, and what this plan really does is elevates the entire resort experience to better match the ski experience that we've always had. You talked about RFID gates, the base lodges arrivals. Um, it, all of the things we're doing uh, are going to affect every guest and every team member. That's why it's so exciting. Talk a little bit about how you work with your parent company, Boyne, to prioritize what you're going to do next and how you're going to develop the mountain over time. This latest 2030 was really building upon an envisioning process that Stephen had us go through when we became part of the Boyne family. What this did under his guidance was to sit down and talk to all of our key stakeholders uh, in the community and our team members and our skiers 
about what they thought Sunday River ought to do throughout the course of the next 10 years. We took all of that feedback, and then we sat down with Stephen and the SVP group, which is a senior vice president, each has a functional responsibility inside of Boyne, and we looked at what we were going to do to improve this resort over the course of 10 years, and, and you see the result of it there in Sunday River 2030. You know, you talked about the community there and the input from the community. When I ski Sunday River, I, I get a sense that I don't at a lot when I ski a lot of large mountains in the Northeast in, in that there's a strong community around it. And I don't know if that's just because of where it is and because it's the largest mountain in the area and people just coalesce there. But how important is that community and, and your relationship with that community as you decide how to plan this resort and build that out over time? really important. The the community is everything to Sunday River as far as our guest experience. We are part of Bethel. Sunday River is not a standalone resort. We're part of the Bethel community. Being part of Bethel, a town that's been in existence since the 1800s, is very important to Sunday River. We recognize that this resort isn't the resort it is without that New England community. And we, we try to do everything we can in conjunction with them to help this resort grow. Uh, as we do more and more skiers, the infrastructure needs to be better. We need lodging. All of that isn't just at the base of the resort. So all the planning has to be integrated with the communities that we're part of. So looking at the on-mountain improvements, uh, one of the first things will be RFID gates. Uh, these will be a really great upgrade. It really should smooth out the lift loading process. Um, Boyne actually put these in place this year over at Loon, which is a smaller mountain. Have you worked with them to to look at uh, any rough spots or anything to see how you could roll that out at Sunday River? You know, anytime you do a new program and it, and it involves electronics, the, uh, the there are small challenges, but I think Loon has done really, really well with those gates this year. Our sister resort, Big Sky, also put them in, and that's probably more of the scope and size of Sunday River uh, as far as the number of entry points and the places. I, I think that we're going to be very fortunate that uh, we're following second in their lead on that. And do you anticipate rolling these out for next season? We do. They'll be ready to roll next year when we open. And are those just going to be at the lower mountain lifts or, or all the lifts throughout the mountain? The gates themselves will be at the lower mountain. We'll have other ways of tracking skiers. The gates will be at the lower mountain. We'll have other technology so that we can track where people are skiing at the top as well. Moving on to snowmaking, Sunday River already has one of the most powerful snowmaking systems in the world, and yet upgrades are listed at every stage of development for Sunday River 2030. How do you take something that's already so good and cover a mountain that large and improve upon it? You double the capacity of where we were at five years ago. Uh, we, we were at 11,000 gallons, and we are shooting for 20,000 gallons eventually. We have the water supply, so you get really good at using that water supply. You also find ways to do that that are more economically impactful with low-energy guns that are better for the environment. Uh, and then the biggest piece of all that is having an extremely passionate team of snowmakers. Uh, these guys are after it day in and day out, and, and they have the passion to make sure that our skiers are on the best surface in the Northeast. And what sorts of limitations are you facing when you're when you're making snow? Can you do you have a certain amount of water you can draw out of the Sunday River? 
we actually have a permit to draw the 20,000 gallons that we're shooting for. We we had a challenge with a pipeline, uh, and that sense has been replaced uh, two years ago, two summers ago, and, and working very, very well. And then it's just a question of pipeline on the mountain and guns. We have over 1,800 tower guns on this resort, uh, most of those of low energy. We're going to keep updating those with the latest technology. And so 1,800 guns, does that cover the whole mountain, or, or are you planning on putting in even more, or is it a matter of continually upgrading what you have? We have an opportunity to put up different guns. We have an opportunity to put up a few more tower guns in places, uh, but we do pretty well right now with what we cover and how we do it. And how, much of those, how many of those can you actually run at the same time? It depends on temperature. Uh, so the, the key ingredients to snowmaking is water and air, and under the right circumstances, with the temperature around 5 degrees, we can run 400, 450 guns. You say you want to get up to a capacity of, of actually being able to draw that 20,000 an hour. Do you anticipate that number increasing so that you can run even more guns at a time, or, or, are, there more, or are there different practical restrictions on uh, how much you can run at a time? No, you're you're exactly right. There, you're going to have to spread out on more guns. How to use that water? Uh, so we'll run more guns as we continue to use more water. So, is, what's the long-term goal as far as snowmaking goes? Are, are, you know, are you going for 100% coverage by Christmas week? Do you quantify it that way, or or is it you know blow as much as you can with whatever temperatures Mother Nature gives you? Well, it's interesting. You you look at our goal, and our goal is to open as quickly as we possibly can for all of our skiers who are passionate and want to get on snow, and then we stay on snowmaking consistently throughout the year to have the best surface in the Northeast. And how late do you actually make snow until? <laughs> we've made snow into April before. Um, oh, wow. A couple of years we've had to do that. We've made snow into March a number of times. Uh, but, boy, Mother Nature the last couple of years has been great to us and helped us out as well. Yeah, you know, you have a, a kind of a friendly rivalry with Killington for first to open in the east. Do you think that these snowmaking upgrades will, will help you in that race every year to try to be first out of the gate? Well, again, number one priority is always open as quickly as we can for the passionate skiers at Sunday River. Uh, the rivalry we have with Killington, who are very good competitors, by the way, we are typically going to be behind a bit uh, with Killington. If they are using everything they've got, they've got another 1,000 vertical feet than we do, and so they can get ahead with temperatures. The one thing that I will tell you that's a differentiator at Sunday River is the team. They are so passionate about getting going early, and uh, we get by Killington once in a while. Last year, 2018, you and Killington tied, and then this year they beat you by a few days. What was the difference in those two years with tying them and, and being a little bit behind? It's always the elevation if we don't if we don't win or we aren't open at the same time. So it's the way that the temperatures flow in, and it's always a little colder, a little higher up. And you ever think about going head-to-head with them for last to close, or are you happy just giving them that? Well, it, it, we aren't really set up for that, and our guests aren't as focused on that as they are the early skiing. So, no, I, I don't think we'd ever stay open until June as they do. Uh, we, we typically are open until May and are happy to do so. Is that the goal this year as well? Yeah, it is, absolutely. Well, looking forward to that. Um, moving on to the chairlifts, I think this is the part that a lot of skiers are most interested in. The 2030 plan calls for six updated chairlifts. In the short term, I think the one that gets the most attention is the Barker High Speed Quad upgrade. Uh, what can you tell us about what's planned for that pod? So I think to look at the the way the chairlifts are listed on here, Stuart, this is more of a sequencing of 
how uh, how we're going to look at chairlifts and when we're going to put them in. We actually have adjusted this plan since we started it six, eight months ago. Uh, Gould Academy put in a T-bar over at Barker, which took a significant amount of stress off the number of people using that lift, lift consistently. The other thing we discovered as we got into this is the amount of time that the Jordan Bowl is down due to wind, and, and that creates a challenge for our guests. So we've shifted, uh, and our first sequencing will be taking care of Jordan, and we'll do Barker at the same time. Uh, we aren't getting into specifics with types of chairlifts, numbers of chairlifts, and as you can tell from the adaptation we've always made, that we've already made, uh, things tend to change over time, so we'll announce those lifts and and what they'll be uh, when it's finalized. Hey, when you mentioned the wind holds on Jordan, uh, one thing we've seen a lot of in the Northeast is is when you have a lift that is consistently shut down from wind holds, they'll break that into a two-stage alignment, right? So, so maybe that means two separate lifts. So you have that now at Sugarloaf, which used to have a top-to-bottom gondola. Um, now you have two stages, which, as Stephen explained when, when he came on the podcast, there probably won't be a top-to-bottom lift at Sugarloaf for that reason. Uh, when Smith recently said the same thing about uh, Sugar Bush, which is there used to be a gondola um, all the way to the top of Lincoln Peak, and that just doesn't really make sense because uh, you otherwise you have so many outages and, and the lift is down all the time. Is that one thing you're considering in Jordan Bowl, a two-stage sort of alignment so that if, if there's winds at the top, you can still run a lift and, and folks can reach a lot of that terrain and maybe the hotel? So in, in visiting with our lift partner, Doppelmeyer, we've discovered that there's technology and new new lifts that are far more weatherproof than what we currently have in that high-speed quad. And utilizing that technology, that wouldn't be something we'd have to do there. The amount of speed we track, we know what it is. Directionally, we know what it is. And we also understand that they have, uh, they have the lifts that would help us run in that type of wind. So what is the difference between the, the sorts of lifts you're looking at and the high-speed quad that's on there now, technology-wise, that would help with wind holds? Well, the, the, there's several things. Um, if you look at uh, lifts that have bubbles, they can become uh, more windproof, more weatherproof than what we have now. They actually, Doppelmeyer has a program that has weighted uh, a weighted seat, if you'll have it, that that's far far heavier, uh, stays better in wind, they use larger cables. Uh, there's a number of technologies that will assist with that challenge over there. And are you looking at alignments as well, if, there, if there's another way to put the lift up the, up the slope or up the aspect where maybe, maybe the wind doesn't hit it as much? Yeah, you, you got it. You're spot on. Um, not only with that lift, with, with any lift improvement we do, we're going to look at the alignment, uh, look at the tops, look at the bottoms, make sure we're doing everything we can to increase the guest experience there. So again, when Stephen was on the podcast, he, he was pretty convinced that the, the high-speed quad was kind of on its way out as an industry standard. It, do you think that it's likely that we would see six-place lifts to replace a lot of these quads that are going out of service? Again, specifics will come later. Uh, we have some lifts at Sunday River that can be repurposed, that are new, um, that can be moved to other locations. But I think you're spot on that any new lift that we have or that we purchased uh, from Doppelmeyer and install would not be a high-speed quad. And, and as far as Barker and Jordan go, um, are you looking at next season or is it too soon to give any kind of timeline? 
too soon. It's in the near term, um, and mm -hmm. so Boyne is working with us and committed to doing it in the near term, and as you can see, that's the next two to three years. It will not be next summer. And, you know, I know you're not going to answer this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, Boyne recently bid on the Barnstormer six-pack bubble over at Hermitage Club. Uh, that lift is a little longer than your current lifts at Barker and Jordan. Um, any chance we would see that lift at Sunday River if Boyne were to win that bid? I, I, I don't think so, no. Okay. So <laughs> another, another place um, where it probably belongs. Uh, interesting, while well, we're on the subject of lifts, um, so Loon is putting in that eighth-place lift next season. Um, it'll be the second in the Boyne system. Is this something that you've looked at for Sunday River? So a number of lifts. Mr. Kircher just took us to Austria. Uh, a number of the GMs and the functional senior VP of operation to look at lifts. Eye-opening for me to be over there. So many different lifts. Everything they're installing is six and eight place. I, I think a lot of it, Stuart, depends on what the need is for capacity. Do, do we have to get that many people to the top? Can we take that many people at the top? All of these lifts will be very thoughtful uh, to the skier and the impact it's going to have on them, and to be determined as time goes on as to what that is. And how much consideration do you have to put into uphill capacity and technology versus downhill traffic, right? Because the technology keeps getting better. Uh, obviously, you have a parent company that's very committed to investing um, substantial sums into the latest lift technology, and, and Boyne has been a leader in lifts for decades. Uh, but at the same time, you can't make every lift in eight place, even if you could afford it, because you might overrun the mountain. But, but how difficult is it to get that equation exactly right? of uphill capacity versus downhill traffic? For me, it would be very tough. The great news for us here at Sunday River uh, is Mike Unruh, who's a senior VP of operations, Rick Kelly, who's our chief operating officer, Stephen Kircher, uh, who you've spoken to before, who's our owner and CEO, and actually his son, Everett, are experts at this. They not only look at this at Sunday River, but they've looked at it at all the other resorts, and it's extremely helpful to talk about lift configurations, numbers of chairs, uh, speed of line, and all of those other pieces, and have them guide us through the process has just been invaluable. So it sounds like there's a lot of thought going into this. Um, moving over to the white calf quad, uh, one specific that was on the Sunday River 2030 plan uh, is that, uh, that, I'm talking about the Tempest lift here, uh, is that this would get a, a carpet? Um, a in a the, load carpet. Yeah, a load carpet in the near term. What will that allow you to do as far as speed and uphill capacity on that lift? So it, it'll increase the speed just slightly, but what it does more than anything is allows us to load the lift more efficiently. Where that lift is, we have a ranging skier type that, that uses that lift from beginner to experts. And so the challenge we have with that lift is, isn't the functionality of the lift running, it's the starts and stops with the loading. That, that load carpet for very short dollars will alleviate that. When we replace spruce, uh, which is a triple, we put a load carpet on that, and that that's just as wonderful to keep the lift moving all the time. Do you do you see that as a fairly uh, short-term upgrade? I mean, it seems like something you could put in in an off-season pretty easily. Very quickly, yes. Yes, exactly. I think that's in the very near term. Over on Southridge, and this is more listed as a midterm upgrade, uh, you'll upgrade the Southridge high-speed quad. What can we expect as far as uh, how that will complement the Chandala as a workhorse to help keep traffic moving out of what is a very congested area right there by the ski school, by the main lodge, everything else? 
Well, I think it's important for us to look back at what was accomplished this year. We put in three new carpets that are covered this year, which have been just wonderful for our children's programs and our new skiers and the Learn to Ski programs. That's helped a lot with taking some pressure off Lift 2 as we know it now. The Chandala, you refer to it as a workhorse. I will tell you this lift has been a game changer for this resort, not only for the skiing, but we are able to run conferences and have dinners at the Mid-Mountain Lodge, uh, at the Peak Lodge. And so this Chandala combined with the new carpets uh, has really helped the Southridge area. And eventually when we replace Lift 2, that, that will make it even better. And then right next door on North Peak, the North Peak Express is also slated for an upgrade. So it looks like you're really focusing a lot of capital on that kind of center of the resort area to just keep people moving in that area and, and especially it's, you know, right by the beginner pods, um, you know, keep their experience smooth. Yeah, as you saw from being here, it's the core of our resort. It's important that we get people up and out of here so they can experience the other eight peaks, and we uh, we, we are focused on making sure that happens in the next 10 years. And then over at Aurora, kind of off the off the main path, uh, that's scheduled long-term for an upgrade. Uh, wh what are the concerns you're trying to alleviate over there? It's a crucial lift. That lift needs to move uh, and run in order to get people all the way to the outback, to the Jordan, back to the Jordan Hotel. The lift is very good. It's a fixed grip at this point. Uh, we would look at an upgrade somewhere in the future to help to help with that. And then looking at the lifts that aren't scheduled for an upgrade, just want to go through them real quick. I'm guessing that they're kind of doing the job. Uh, you know, when I talked to Jay Scambio over at Loon, he was pretty clear that these plans are their outlines, right? So as as you introduce one lift, like when they introduce the Kang Gate, if that has unintended consequences, this allows them to shift. So I understand that perhaps some of these lifts that are not scheduled for an upgrade now may be before 2030 is done, right? Absolutely. It's the sequencing. As we talked earlier, we're making an adjustment or an adaptation to the plan based on the T-bar that Gould put in, and that's going to be even better for the resort long term. The other lifts that are on this are, are very proud of our lift mechanics and our lift operational team for keeping these all going and, and taking care of guests at the rate of 30000 an hour at the ski resort. It's an amazing experience. We need to stay focused on making sure that we are consistently maintaining these as we have for years, and uh, with the new lifts, it'll just be a wonderful experience. So the Spruce Peak Triple, as you mentioned, that was upgraded very recently, and then the Lock Mountain Triple which is right above the Barker lift, but seems to me to be almost never super busy. That lift dates from 1984, but you seem to be happy with, with how it's running and uh, that the capacity is right. Yeah, it's a wonderful example of when we replaced Lift 8, we also looked at the top terminal of Lift 4, uh, and we replaced the top terminal of that lift. Not the entire lift, but a component of it that we knew needed to be upgraded. Uh, so we will continue to look at each lift and what they need and make sure they're running well uh, for all of our guests. And then over on lifts 10 and 11, the little white cap quad and, and white heat quad, both of those lifts also dating from the late 1980s, but they seem to be running just fine. Seems like they're doing the job for now. They, they sure are. Um, I, I know that a lot of people, it's aspirational to come and, and ski white heat, and you're going to be on that lift to do it. <laughs> you get a great view on the way up. Looking at other upgrades on Sunday River 2030, uh, several base lodge upgrades scheduled. What can you tell us about those? 
you know, our base lodges are aging, uh, and that's everything from roofs to windows to just the general look in the field. Uh, so we're not only going to look at the outsides of these, we're going to look at the interiors of them, the expectations of food and beverages and our other services in the resorts is, is higher of Sunday River, and I think we're meeting that expectation. But we're going to need to continue to grow not only inside those base lodges, but to make sure that they're visually appealing outside. We're starting that as soon as this summer, and uh, we'll, we'll continue to move forward with them all. Uh, which lodges in particular are you looking to upgrade? So we've been on the Southridge Lodge. We've done three sides of that in the last couple of years. We're going to get the four side uh, this summer. We've got a number of roofs that we're going to replace, but we're also going to talk about Barker. Uh, Barker is a very special place, especially for the locals and people who have been here a long time. So we've got to be cautious about what we do inside that lodge with food and beverage, but we think there's an opportunity upstairs to work with one of our culinary partners to put in uh, – Put in a burger bar up there, and he's excited to do that. Is that the same gentleman that is running the the facility at the top of North Peak? That little it restaurant? is. His name is Harding Lee Smith. He owns three of the five best restaurants in Portland, Maine. He is also a passionate skier, as well as his family. And he came here and created the Mountain Room, which has just been a game changer for us with the level of food and beverage and expectations. Not only there, but he's helped us culinary-wise at, at other places around the resort. It is his vision to do the burger bar, and as I said, we've got to be, we've got to walk carefully uh, to make sure that we are recognizing our locals, recognizing the people that have used that base lodge long term. But I think we can meet everybody's objectives in the process. Can you talk a little bit more about your partnership with with him and how that came to be? Because I think it's interesting. You know, Key Resort Food has had a historic reputation as being kind of crummy. You know, it's like cafeteria food, like just n nothing special. And and it seems like that's changing in line with larger societal shifts to a little bit more local, a little bit better quality food at all different places that you go. So can you talk a little bit about how that partnership came to be and and why it's important to to work with these folks who are locals to Maine, who are, are working to, to change the culinary culture in the state. Yeah, I, I sure can. I, one of the things I want to be careful to do that is not to overlook the rest of the food and beverage team who was already working on our culinary prowess before we met Harding. I think uh, what Harding did was ski here every weekend and really wanted a place that he would enjoy going to that would have the types of foods that he would like, and he talked to us for a couple of years about the desire to be part of the team to make that happen. On top of that, we have a wonderful restaurant in Bethel, Maine, uh, Cho Sun, which serves Korean food. And so we have a sushi uh, bar and a ramen noodle bar down in our base lodge. Uh, they also run a burrito shop in our base lodge. We're partners with a coffee company and Coffee Hound, and, and we serve their products. They're a local Maine company. We have a partnership with Shipyard Beer, and Shipyard uh, has restaurants and has one of those in one of our base lodges. So not only through our own team, but through all of these great relationships and partnerships we've had, food has really grown not only at the resort, but if you take a look at what's happened in our community, Sunday River was really never known for the food 20 years ago. Today, I would tell you the experience is great inside the resort and outside the resort.
Well, it seems like you're building up a lot of parts of the mountain. Another development planned as part of this 2030 plan is the Dreammaker Lodge. It's actually a new condo development at the base of North Peak. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it, wonderful project. It's right at the base of Lift 6, and so it is immediately ski in, ski out. It's two bedrooms and then has uh, three four-bedroom penthouses in it. We'll start that project this summer. Really excited about that. And then just above that is Merrill Hill, which arguably is one of the finest uh, ski products for real estate in the Northeast. 300-degree views. We're putting a lift up to the top of that, so all those house lots will be ski in, ski out. And that's building on the success of the Glade units, uh, 21 units that we've sold in the last couple of years that just lie at the base of that mountain. So we've got a lot of exciting things going on with real estate, which is good. I I don't want to sound like we're more focused on real estate than we are the skiers, though. For, For somebody like me who's an operational person, what each one of those families means is a lifetime of experiences uh, at Sunday River. And so every house that we have, every condo we have just makes us better as a resort. Yeah, there's a a common narrative around the downfall of American Skiing Company that typically wraps it into an overinvestment in real estate. How is Boyne's approach to this different in creating a more sustainable long-term vision for the resort that mixes in real estate development without using it as a crutch? I think if you look just in general terms, I was at Sugarloaf independently as an independent resort for a number of years, and I had uh, the pleasure to work for American Skiing Company and then became part of the Boyne family. It's been very different uh, with the Boyne family. They are a family number one. Anytime you hear the name Boyne, family's right behind it. Uh, We work for people who understand skiing. We also work with people who have a long-term vision and, and make very certain that any moves we make related to infrastructure or related to real estate only builds upon the experience of the resort, knowing that's what keeps us sustainable long-term. It's been incredible the last few years working with them. Learned something from, from every company that I've worked for, but can tell you very clearly that this has been a wonderful experience, not only for me and my family, but for the rest of the team here at Sunday River. It seems like with their mountains spread across the country, they're able to pilot things and then kind of learn from it. So, so are, are you seeing these sorts of developments at, at other mountains and then kind of taking the learnings and applying those then to Sunday River? Yeah, one of the things that Mr. Kircher is great at is appreciating the individual DNA of the resort. But in saying that, he's also good at looking what has worked at another resort and then bringing that in one shape or form from from place to place. The group of senior vice presidents do that as well. Uh, It's a great working relationship in the sense that we learn, um, but there aren't very clear demands that we're going to do like things in every way. A, A wonderful example of that for you is American Skiing Company, when I worked for them, built the Summit Hotel, and then we proceeded to take the same hotel to seven different locations. Mm. And that product, that property, may not have been designed for each one of those locations as well as it could have been if they'd appreciated the individual DNA of the resort, as the Kircher family does. Talking a little bit more about Merrill Hill, can you help us understand, for those who may not be familiar, with where that sits in relation to existing terrain? 
Yeah, as you said at Southridge, which is the core of our resort, and you look over towards the Jordan area, this Merrill Hill property lies right between the two. So as you're setting in Southridge, you'll take one short lift ride up, and you'll be in Merrill Hill. It'll have a couple of wonderful New England-style trails down out of it. It, it isn't primarily a ski ski-designed destination. It's, it is a real estate project up there, but those will be a couple of cool trails. And what kind of vertical drop? What kind of vertical drop are you looking at? Seven hundred and fifty feet. Oh, that's not bad. Coming, that's uh, that's taller than Boyne Mountain. <laughs> it definitely is taller. I grew up skiing at Titcomb, which is a small resort uh, directly between here and Sugarloaf, and it definitely is bigger than that. But as you get up on the mountain, the views are incredible. So it looks at over the top of our newly acquired golf course uh, out on the backside of this. You have a 300-degree view of not only the existing resorts but some wonderful Maine wilderness out beyond there. There's about 40 lots in there. Uh, they're going to be in extremely high demand, and I'm excited about the future of that product. And have you fired up development over there yet, or is that coming? It's coming. Roads are in. Uh, the, the project has been permitted, and we're getting in the process of getting ready to launch it this summer. And uh, any thoughts to what kind of lift you might run up that mountain? To be determined uh, whether that would be a, a new lift or a repurposed lift at this point. So while we're talking about new terrain, Sunday River owns thousands of acres surrounding the cut trails in the resort. Additional peak development is not in the 10-year plan, uh, but, but what is the eventual gross potential of the mountain? As I understand it, there are three additional peaks out beyond Jordan Bowl that could make for really good skiing someday. Yeah, you, you definitely, you've seen the maps. We are operating now on about 3,600 acres. We have total land holdings of 11,000 acres at Sunday River. We do have three more peaks beyond the Jordan uh, that are set up very, very well and very similar to the existing skiing. I'd also tell you that in, inside the current resort, we have more room for trails. We have more room for glades. And we're going to make sure as we grow, as we install lifts, that we're responsible as well as making sure that we've got the terrain to handle the capacity of those. Has there been any talk of developing those three additional peaks, or is that just not in the scope of what you're looking to do right now? I, I, it's interesting. We talked earlier. Uh, we talked earlier about the trip to Austria, and I went to a couple of ski resorts that had well over 75 ski lifts. Unbelievable. It, as you look at as you look at that terrain beyond there, um, that's probably longer into the future. We on a busy, busy day at Sunday River, we ski fifteen thousand people. We handle that very well. Uh, as we continue to grow, uh, we definitely can move that direction. But I tell you, we've got we've got some things we can do right here inside for now, uh, and that will be a lot of fun for somebody uh, that's running the resort that day to expand beyond there. And are those peaks open now for folks who want to hike and ski them? It's really Maine wilderness. It sets above some Maine state property as well. There are folks that hike up there. There are people that take Jeeps up there and tour around in four-wheelers and hiking. And I'm sure that our, our passionate patrollers have been out there and skied some of that, as they do most of the surrounding areas here, but not on a consistent basis. And did you ever think about maybe doing like some cat skiing or something like Sugarloaf has done? Uh, up, up above Bracket Basin? We, we, we've talked about that here. We have an opportunity to do that beyond the Jordan Hotel, but, but not in the immediate plans. 
So as you mentioned that there was room on your existing peaks to cut some more trails. Do you have plans to do that as part of this 2030 plan? We've talked about it, uh, expanding glades, uh, looking at individual trails. There's nothing specific to announce at this point, but we'll keep evaluating it. One of the benefits, if you look at what Les Otten did for this resort, he, he took it from 50,000 skier visits to 550,000 skier visits. He grew a, a peak a year for a number of years. He not only designed a lot of what is here today, but he had um, visions and plans. So we have maps that he developed that have more trails on it inside the existing resort as well. We put in a number of years ago T-72, which is a terrain park, a 14-acre trail. Or we put in Southpaw, that, that is another smaller trail and another way down from the Barker Lift. So uh, the expansion for trails and terrain is something that, that we can do relatively easily as the need arises. Are there any hints you can give us about certain peaks you're looking at or, or for glades or trail expansions? Well, beyond the fact that if we, we put a different lift in at the Jordan, uh, then we may we may focus on adding some terrain. Uh, no, I, not in immediate plans. Yeah, well, Sunday River's done a really good job of thinning out glades over the past you know, decade or so. Uh, so is is that something that's ongoing looking to continue to do? It is. Um, glades need to be maintained in the state of Maine. Uh, they'll grow relatively fast, so we do that every year. We're, we're, we're looking at new places we can cut glades. There are places people have skied that over time have become glades, and uh, a lot of folks enjoy that. Plus, it takes the pressure off the existing groomed surfaces when there are a number of people enjoying the woods here. Can you talk a little bit about how you maintain those? Because some of the smaller mountains, they'll have volunteer crews come up, um, like your neighbor Black Mountain of Maine will we'll host those uh, gatherings in the summer and people will come up. But you actually have crews that do that, don't you? Yeah, we do. We we have a, a full-time crew that's focused on trail maintenance and glades in the summer. Uh, we also uh, bring in a crew every year and contract with them for a number of acres uh, that include glades and trails to really get after and trim down. And are these are these skiers or these folks who who understand when you thin the glades like how that'll help the mountain ski? They sure are. A number of them are patrollers. Uh, these guys are out on the hill every day, and, and they know exactly what's going on. Uh, the contracted folks, not as much, uh, but they're out there with our full-time crew who helps guide the whole process. How are the glades firing right now, by the way? It looks like they're all open from the from the snow report. Yeah, they uh, they started dropping ropes on glades this weekend. A lot of really excited people, and, and they're skiing well. So even the, the, the lower elevation ones like Yettyville got those yeah. going? Yeah, that we do, sure do, and uh, this four inches of snow we got last night doesn't hurt a bit. Uh, that's, that's great. It, hopefully we can keep the temps low and keep those things open through through March or maybe even April. Um, so you spent, as I mentioned in your intro, you also worked at Sugarloaf for 15 years before moving over to Sunday River. Um, you've been, been GM there now since 2006. So that means you, you've worked under both Les Otten at American Skiing Company and the Kircher family at Boyne, and, and you touched on this earlier. Uh, but these are really some of the most influential figures in American skiing that really helped shape the industry. Uh, what was that transition like when ASC sold Sunday River to Boyne? 
It was interesting. I, I was part of the group that worked uh, to represent the resorts with them. Uh, and from the day we met the Kircher family, we knew that's who we wanted to work with. At the time, John Diller was the general manager at Sugarloaf, and we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how we could work for that family because they 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 were people we knew understood the industry and and we wanted to be part of it. Boyne has grown uh, as as the resorts have grown, as we grow the numbers of skiers, we we continue to grow as a company, and it always feels like you're working as part of a family. They involve you in uh, the thought process. They involve our team members in the thought process. They involve our guests in the thought process. So it isn't just handed to us as maybe uh, it has been from a vision of one person in the past. Boyne, Boyne works more with us to define the future, which is a lot of fun. They also set clear expectations for us. We have what are known as brand standard audits. Our team knows uh, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to do it. We have a net promoter score that's at each one of our resorts, which talks about how well we're taking care of our guests, and we review that. And we're on weekly calls not only with the other GMs from the other resorts to collaborate, but we're on weekly calls with the senior VPs to collaborate and continue to get better as a company. You know, when when I hosted Stephen Kircher, he was was very humble in admitting they learned a lot from ASC and they learned a lot from Booth and they learned a lot from IntraWest uh, as they absorbed folks who ran these mountains under these different companies. Like I'm looking right now at a 1984 trail map of Sunday River. It's basically, and I'm I'm sure you have this hanging up somewhere. It's basically Barker and North Peak, and that's the mountain. It, it's it's hard to overstate how much less Auden transformed this mountain because. 30 years ago, it was completely off the radar. And all of a sudden, it's one of the top five resorts in the Northeast, perennially. It's huge. It has a strong community around it. So he really built this up, and you're sort of carrying on that legacy. How, how does the legacy of, of Les and ASC live on at Sunday River today? Well, first of all, Les skis here four days a week. Oh. Um, he is uh, He's a passionate skier. Some days it's more than that. If it, Some weeks it's more than that. If it snows a lot, he's always one of the first people to line up at the Barker Lift. He skis the entire resort in a couple of three hours, goes to North Peak, talks to a bunch of people, and remains an integral part of our community. We will always respect and honor what he's done. The vision to take that from where it was to where it is today was mostly his. Um, we'll always respect and honor that. And I would tell you that nobody can carry on Les's legacy by any stretch of the imagination. What we can do is work on refining that and making the other parts of the resort as good as the skiing was. As good as he established the skiing, we're going to work on the entire experience and refine that. But we owe Les a huge debt of gratitude, and we'll always honor that and remember that. Has Les given you any feedback on Sunday River 2030? Uh, not directly on 2030, but I do talk to Les once a month anyways uh, on a number of other issues. He's helped us a lot. Uh, he Most of the things that have happened around here he built, so he's been a huge help with that. The pipeline that we have runs across his property. He was wonderful in working with us with that. And as I said, he's an integral part of the Bethel Sunday River community. You know, you have an interesting challenge at Sunday River, and it goes back to Les building the mountain out 
in the 80s. It was one of the first mountains to really build up that high-speed lift infrastructure. And so that means you're kind of one of the first mountains to really face the challenge of having to deal with aging high-speed lifts, which have you know very expensive grips you have to replace and, and, and may not be as durable long-term as, say, the Lock Mountain Triple that we mentioned earlier. They can just keep going and going. So how do you deal with analyzing that? Because you don't have a ton of precedent for, okay, a high-speed lift is 35 years old. What do you do with it? Where does it go? Is it still usable? And what do we replace it with? Go back to the earlier statement about an awful lot of help from Boyne and a lot of knowledge with Boyne. We also do uh, NDT testing on a yearly basis with all of our lifts. We understand very, very clearly um, anything that that we need to replace or fix, we stay on top of that. We have a really strong lift mechanic crew uh, that works on these things year-round. Uh, aging high-speed quads are really no different than aging other lifts. They've just got more moving parts and more things we need to inspect and, and keep going. You talk about that help from Boyne. Uh, last summer, just a few months before ski season started, Sunday River lost a major pump house and electrical fire, uh, a snowmaking pump house. So looking at this from the outside, this would seem like a devastating event, uh, and it would be easy to doubt that the resort could get back up to capacity in time for the ski season. But not only were you able to replace that facility, but you built a better one. Can you take us through what happened with that fire and how your team was able to rebuild it so quickly and how Boyne was able to help with that? It's interesting. I was there with the as the firemen arrived, uh, standing there watching a primary piece of this resort go up in flames, and uh, very concerned immediately about what was going to happen for the upcoming season. It burned flat, and it took every motor that we had in there and every pump and destroyed them. Within 12 hours, our COO was here, Rick Kelly, to help us. Uh, we sat down with the operational team and. And I will tell you, I am always amazed at the passion and talent these guys have for getting things done. We very clearly had a plan within a day. We started acquiring the parts we need. We involved the community. The Savages have a construction company. They offered to help out and, and build the building so we could focus on the internal components of this. And we didn't miss a beat when it came to making snow at Sunday River this year. If I didn't tell you that I sit back and look at it and, and, and wonder sometimes. It's only because these guys are so good at what they do. And how old was that facility that burned down? Uh, 25 years. Uh, we have another one down there that's a little bit newer, but we also now have a brand-new pump house with improved motors that allow us to pump more water more efficiently, and we were ready to go this year. And what's the life cycle on those things typically? Oh, I, I, it's a long time, uh, especially with the technology of, of what you do. Again, like lifts, you have individual parts you replace, but uh, in theory, they'll last a lot of years. And how hard would it have been to do that if you were just an independent scarier compared to if you have Boyne and they can say, okay, well, you know, we had, you know, $5 million we were planning on spending on something else. Here we can use it on that or, or whatever it costs. And I'm sure insurance yeah. chipped in as well. But They did, um, but the, the leadership that came from Boyne, uh, the support, knowing that it was an integral part of Sunday River and getting, getting that happen, the resources, but also the knowledge to help us get it up and running. Uh, it, it would have been very difficult as an independent, but probably Part of a big family. They treated us like a family and, and took care of one of their own. 
Another idea that I believe came out of Boyne, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Sunday River is one of the few large northeast ski areas to have night skiing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how long you've had night skiing and why you decided to put that on the mountain? Yeah, we've had it a year after Boyne took over the leadership here. Uh, we put it in at the same time we put the Chandler in. We had an opportunity uh, to run power up several trails, which you need, obviously, to do this. And the suggestion Mr. Kircher had for night skiing wasn't so much for night skiing into itself. It, it was to help us extend the arrival and departure times of our guests. As you can, at any ski resort, if you arrive an hour before the lifts open, there's just this funnel of skiers in, and then when the lifts close, there's a funnel out. What night skiing does is it takes some of those folks, and they can arrive a little later because they're going to ski at night, um, and then it takes other groups of folks and does just the opposite with them uh, where, they, where they come just for the night skiing. So it, it's done a good job of taking care of families. It's done a good job at taking care of the groups of, of betweeners, the, the 16 to 20-year-olds who, who want to get out of the house but aren't old enough to go participate in the nightlife yet. I see an awful lot of grandparents skiing with grandchildren so mom and dad can go out and uh, go to dinner. Uh, it, it's just a wonderful experience at night as well as what we do with the North Peak Lodge. Uh, it's pretty magical some nights around here with the lights and everything that's going on on the hill. And do you think that you would expand that ever to more peaks or more trails? <laughs> I don't think there's a demand to do it, Stuart. I, I, I think if you look at the number of trails we have and the number of people that are out here right now, I, I don't think there's a need to make that happen. So shifting over to passes, this is your second season as part of Icon Pass. There doesn't seem to be a lot of backlash in the northeast like we've seen at Big Sky, Jackson Hole, Aspen, some of these places out west. But that's me looking from a distance. Have you found that the locals have mostly embraced the Icon Pass, or, or are they indifferent to it, or do they have an opinion? Indifference probably the best word. Um, there are a number of people skiing here. I, I think we do a, a number of visits from the Icon Pass. I think it's been wonderful to get the Icon Pass, getting people here that, that don't normally ski Sunday River. It's another way for people to ski around the northeast. It's been nothing but positive here at Sunday River for us. And do you have a, a sense of the percentage of your skiers that are Icon Pass holders? It, Depends on the day um, of day ticket usage. Sometimes that can can be significant, thirty percent, forty percent, and and other times, depending on the day and, and midweek, it's not as high as that. Uh, uh, sometimes it'll be ten to fifteen percent, but it has been as large as thirty percent at some points. And, and do you think some of that is additive, folks that may not have come before, or is a lot of that just replacing day ticket buyers? Some of both. Some of both. And uh, we want to do our job, and we want to make them proud to ski here when they do choose to ski here as part of the icon. And at the same time, you have, for your for your local folks, you have the New England Pass uh, that gets you into Sugarloaf, Sunday River, Loon. Has icon lowered those numbers at all, or, or is that just completely different demographics that buy those two things? Well, I, I think it's different demographics. Both have grown since their introduction. Our season's passes continue to grow every year, and ICON grows every year. We, we've got a lot positive going on around here. And this year with the New England Pass, folks also get free days at other Boyne Mountains, including Big Sky. Have you? Maybe you don't have the data on this, but do you get a sense just from talking to your locals that, that a lot of them are taking advantage of that, taking that trip out west, going to Big Sky? 
if they're not taking advantage of it this year, they're looking at it in future years. Big Sky has got a reputation of being the biggest and best in, in North America, and, and people are figuring that out, including our pass holders. So it becomes an aspirational thing to look at that. And, and I know a number of our uh, season's pass holders have enjoyed that benefit and speak very highly of it. So you mentioned earlier when you were talking about the T-Bar that you installed this year that that was actually installed by Gould Academy. Can you talk a little bit about what Gould is and their relationship to Sunday River? Gould Academy is a school that's been in existence since 1836 in downtown Bethel. Wow. Uh, it is a beautiful campus, looks more like a typical New England college campus than it does a preparatory high school. They have ski programs at Gould Academy, some competition programs, uh, ski racing, both my children participated in. But then they also have programs where uh, kids can go to school there and become a fully jacketed ski patrol uh, in conjunction with our ski patrol. They have other programs for the kids where they teach the local community kids how to ski and interact with younger students. It's just wonderful having them on the mountain. Every day, every day that Gould comes to Sunday River, there are 230 kids that get out of buses and, and get onto this resort. And the level of energy, no matter what's going on, goes up with the, with those kids around here. They decided last year uh, that they really would like to have a T-bar that service their race area or where they can go up and down. It allows them to make laps quicker, uh, more efficiently, and they put that in. Not only did that take care of their need and the need of our 400 weekend kids who, who are in a Gould Academy program, but it also took the pressure off Lift 1, the Barker Express, out of there. So it, it's been a huge, a huge help to have the T-bar, but I will tell you that it's a symbiotic relationship with Gould Academy just in general. Real estate in the community uh, can be attributed to the to Gould Academy real estate sales, uh, as well as many of our loyal Seasons Pass holders are connected with the school in one way or the other. And so that T-Bar project, is that something that you kind of jointly financed and, and they, they, they help to pay for it because it benefits them, or, or, or do you provide that because of the benefits it provides to everyone else who, who then have shorter lines at the Barker Lift, et cetera? Gould Academy financed the project in its entirety. We we did it for them. We put some resources behind it, but Gould Academy funded the project, and uh, we were proud to help them with putting it in. And why was a T-bar the right kind of lift? Keeps them on the snow, uh, and it services a very specific area. So if you ride lift one, you have to ride up it and then ski over to the race trail. This T-bar is specifically for the race trail where they do all the training. It just uh, allows them to keep on snow and make quick circuits. Uh, I, I'd be willing to guess it doubles the amount of time they have for training during the three hours a year. And you're pretty happy with the flow around that lift and and where it sits and everything so far? Yeah, sure am. And the other thing they've allowed us to do is if we have a challenge at all uh, with wind or with weather that has closed down our other lifts, they've allowed our guests to use it, and that's mm -hmm. worked out very well. 
Oh, that's really that's really great. Has that had to happen very often? Yeah, just twice, but uh, the days that happened, it was really important to be able to get people up the hill. Last thing I want to ask you about here for uh, Sunday River 2030, there's several non-skiing upgrades. Uh, you have a mountain coaster going in, an observation tower on North Peak for your on sightseeing, which would take advantage of the, of the chandala, as you mentioned earlier. Um, can you talk a little bit about what we might see and the importance of building up this year-round business to the long-term health of Sunday River? We've made significant growth in what we do in the summer. Conferences, uh, we have Gordon Research that's here that fills both hotels for 10 weeks with 200 people in each hotel. We touch 75 weddings in, in the off-season that help fill the hotels. We've gone in the last 12 years from 75 full-time year-round team members to 300 full-time year-round team members. That allows us to have people that are passionate about food and beverage or are passionate about lodging and keeping them here year-round. It allows us to have better staff by being able to do that. So the growth in the summer is really important for us. We try to do it responsibly. Uh, we obviously need to put a focus on the skiing in the winter, but we try to do things in the summer so the activities continue uh, to continue to grow year-round. You did have a bike park, and, and that is not something you're focusing on anymore. Do you, do you think we would see the return of that, or is that just not the right thing for your mountain? I, I think what you'll find is that the community will pick that up. Uh, there are a number of uh, nonprofits who are building trails and doing uh, other projects on the backside of Sunday River on land that they own, and we will support them and be part of that. Uh, what we found was that we really had advanced lift service mountain biking, which wasn't enough for the spectrum. You you need to have beginner trails and intermediate trails as well. And what we ended up with was advanced trails. So we stopped doing that component. Will we ever start it up again? Potentially, but what we're going to do in the short term is make sure we're supporting everybody else's efforts in the community uh, first, and, and then we'll go from there. All right, Dana. Well, that's our hour. I really cannot thank you enough. So much cool stuff going on at Sunday River. I can't wait to see how it all pans out over the next 10 years. Good. We look forward to having you up here soon again. Thank you, Stuart. That's Dana Bullen, President and General Manager of Sunday River. That is a big, important, complicated mountain. You want someone in charge of that thing who understands exactly what it is and exactly where it is. That's Dana Bullen. He gets it. He gets how it became what it became. He gets what they need to do to keep that thing moving and growing. You know, Dan and I spoke before this interview, and I asked him, is this your dream job? And he said it was, and I believe that. He's from Maine. He spent his whole career there working on those mountains. He's going to take very good care of Sunday River for as long as he's in charge of it. To get more content like that as soon as it's live, you can subscribe to the Storm Skiing newsletter at skiing.substack.com. Then follow us on Twitter at Storm Ski Journal and on Facebook. In the meantime, are you skiing this weekend? Big holiday coming up, last one of the ski season. But we've been getting snow, glades are in play as you go farther north. What do you think about skiing holiday weekends? You get a little wild. It's fun in its own way, though, and I will be out there. Thank you so much for your time. I'm Stuart Winchester. I'll talk to you again very soon. The Storm Skiing Podcast is a Quicksilver Films production.